The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. My name is John, and I'm part of the church staff, and welcome to Canyon Ridge. We're in this new series, uh, Lies That Our Children Are Hearing, and uh, so, so important, and I, I have such a passion for this. I've enjoyed it so much. I have four children of my own, and uh, my kids come home with these things, and they tell me about these things that they're hearing and seeing. And uh, if you're on social media at all, and most people are, then you see uh, clearly that this is uh, what's being preached at our kids night and days. Your children are hearing these lies so many times a day, you'd be shocked to know how many times they're hearing about this and pictures and, and uh, videos and uh, social media and at school and just on and on, endless, endless, these lies preached at our kids and we've got to have a way to help them stand against it. Because you see the fruit of it. You see the fruit of children who grow up to, who have already grown up and now they're adults and they're struggling, 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 all kinds of trials and challenges because they weren't adequately prepared as children to be able to withstand these attacks. And so it's just so important. If you have kids, then you want to get out a pen and a piece of paper and take some notes. If you have grandkids, you want to take be attention and and take some notes. And if you would like to have kids, how about that? Is that everybody now? Even if you don't like children, you'll never want to have kids. Uh, you'll still be able to, you'll run into kids, I'm assuming, at some point in your life. And so this would be good for everybody. So uh, I, I, in my research this week, I found the greatest lie I've ever heard. This, this one mom was just fed up with her child lying to her all the time. And so she lied to him. And she said, Son, I want you to know that every time you lie to me, a red dot shows up on your forehead. And so what did he do? The next time he came to tell her a lie, he went like this. (laughs) Isn't that great? Uh, Every single time she knew he was lying because he'd put his hand up there. I wonder how long that lasted until he realized that he'd been duped on that. But I don't. Go ahead and use that. That's free. That's not part of it. I want to take the next few minutes and try and uh, teach you some things from the Bible that will help you stand against the lies that your children are hearing. And all of these that we're covering are what we call gateway lies. They're gateway lies because they open up the door to a whole bunch of other lies behind them. So they lies that carry more lies or lies that open the door for other lies to come in and take hold of your kids and take hold of their heart. And so... The only way to defeat a lie is to know the truth. I mean, you don't defeat lies by studying other lies. You defeat lies by studying the truth. That's the only way to know the difference. I read this this week. I thought it was fascinating. Did you know that the Secret Service is the one agency in the United States that invests counterfeiting? I would have thought maybe that would be the FBI or the CIA, but no, it's the Secret Service And one half of their resources, all of their agents and all of their resources, are devoted to investigating crimes uh, against our currency. And so what they do with these agents 
as they put them through this intense training, and not all of them make it, to teach them over a long period of time every single aspect of real currency. They learn all the currency and exactly what it, what it feels like, what it smells like, uh, how it's made, all the different aspects to it, all the security features. They know everything there is to know. They are literally experts on real currency. They know the truth. They study the truth so that when they see the fake, they spot it instantly. They know it doesn't match the real. It's a fake. And so... The way you know a lie is a lie is you know the truth. And if you don't know the truth, then you're, you're very vulnerable. You could be living a lie. You could be accepting a lie as truth, follow that for years, have destruction in your life, only to realize all along you were following a lie. So, so important for us to study and know what God says truth is to know what God's truth is, and to study it, to be diligent, to be uh, uh, pressed in and, and learn truth, because it's the only way you can defeat a lie. Now, um, we're talking about lies from a biblical perspective, and I say biblical because not everybody believes in the Bible, not everybody follows the Bible, and so... Uh, they may hear something in the culture and think that's true, even though it contradicts the Bible, still accept it as true because they don't necessarily follow the Bible. So what I'm sharing with you is only from a biblical perspective. These are my opinions. This is not what I think. This is what the Bible says. Jesus said in John 8, 47, that if you are a follower of his, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, then you listen to his words... You take them as truth, and you obey them. And he said that is a characteristic, defining characteristic of a disciple of his. So the lie we're addressing today is so very subtle. Very subtle. Because when you first hear it, you think, well, but what's wrong with that? That sounds great. That's good. It's, it's good. So it's very subtle. The lie is this. Live, live, live your life. Live your life, carpe diem, right? Life should be lived in the here and now. Live your life. With this subtle little thing that slides in right behind that statement is because the consequences don't matter. Live life in the here and now because there are no consequences. And the truth says just the opposite. It says that when you're a child... 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 14, 18. When you're a child, the choices that you make, the way you act, your attitude, the things that you do, all of those collectively produce for you a harvest in the future. Those decisions matter because they stick with you and they come up later. I'll explain more. The United States of America, is this is classic... American culture that, hey, do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. I mean, you can do what you want. Nobody can tell you what to do. Do what you want. Do what feels good as long as it's safe, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. You don't need to listen to authority. 
They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, these things that you want to do are no big deal anyway. Have fun. Your parents, don't listen to them. They just want to ruin your life. Your parents are here on earth to make your life miserable, so definitely don't listen to them. And besides, you're not a murderer. I mean, you're not a, you're not a bad person. You're basically a good person. So go ahead, do what you want. It's no big deal. You can ask for forgiveness later. There are no consequences. Now, that's exactly what the devil wants you to believe. That you can live your life your own way, and there are no consequences. In fact, that is his job, is to cover the consequences. He doesn't want you to see that. Because if you see it, then you might not do it. And so uh, if you do happen to see the consequences, then he will attack that and say, well, uh, they're unfair. Those consequences, they're unfair. That's unjust. You, that's impossible. Nobody can live up to that. And so he will attack and belittle and hide the consequences. He doesn't want you thinking that consequences matter. Just live in the moment. Enjoy your life. Have you ever stood over your child and thought to yourself, what were you thinking? Huh? Has that ever happened to you? And you're like, you were temporarily insane. Done that a number of times. So let's look at the truth of this. Let's, let's, let's build this principle. It's found in Galatians chapter 6. So if you have a, a Bible that's in the New Testament, Galatians 6, that's a book written to the church at Galatia by the Apostle Paul. Verse 7, he says this Don't be misled. So right off the bat, he's saying, Don't be lied to. Okay? Don't fall into the lie, don't become deceived. A deceived person is a person who's following a lie. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now, this is a powerful principle, and we should spend as much time as we can teaching this to our children because this is how the world works. This is how the universe works. This is a universal principle that God has set into motion. It cannot be altered or changed, and there are no exceptions. So it applies equally to everyone. Whether you think it does or not, it still does. Everyone, every person on the face of the earth. It's actually a promise from God. You know that? God promised Noah in Genesis. You look in Genesis chapter 8, and verses 20 through 21 are actually really fascinating. But God made a promise to Noah, and he said, Listen, you need to have the confidence, Noah, that I'm not going to just destroy the earth again when it gets bad. Okay? You can't live your life with confidence that at any point you think, it's all going to be blown up and we're all going to die. Okay, who can live their life under that kind of pressure? So he said, listen, I'll say, here's a rainbow and this is a symbol. This means that I will never, ever, ever destroy the earth like I have with the flood. And then, then he throws in this statement. Even though, even though every thought 
every inclination from mankind from birth is to commit evil. Nonetheless, I still, I will not destroy the earth. But then he sets this principle into motion. It's a promise of safetyness, safety, protection. Verse 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So God is establishing this principle right now. He's saying, okay, from, from this point forward, what you sow into the ground is exactly what you will reap. And you can have confidence in that. You can have confidence as a farmer that when you plant corn seeds, you're not going to get blueberries. All right? You're not going to get something different that will hurt you or harm you. Exactly what you sell is exactly what you're going to get. And I promise that that's how it will be from this day forward. You can have full assurance of your future. That's what God's saying here. You can be really confident of what your future is going to be. Your future is going to be full of blessing, full of joy, full of good things, full of prosperity, because that's all the things that you've planted. You spent the last 15 years planting all of these good seeds, and so guess what? Put a smile on your face, because that's what's coming to you. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get all this prosperity and joy. You're going to have the greatest life Because that is what you planted, and that is what you will harvest. It's a promise of faithfulness. It's a promise that if you plant, if you sow, you won't reap nothing. Okay, nothing will not happen. If you plant something great, you're going to get something great. If you plant something bad, you're going to get something bad. Nothing does not exist. So if I plant something bad and hope I get nothing in return, I'm fooling myself. That is not going to happen. You reap what you sow. Exactly. There is no entitlement in the kingdom of God, and there shouldn't be in your home either. (laughs) Did I say that again? If you want the good stuff, listen to me. You who are in high school, junior high, you want the good stuff? You, you, see, you know what the good stuff is. You see it, right? You want that good stuff. Then you better be planning good stuff now. Because you cannot live your whole life planting terrible seeds, blowing off school, not listening to your parents. You know, I know school's hard. I know it's boring. <laughs> School is boring. I know it's challenging. You don't want to be there. But if you will plant good seeds then when you get into junior high and high school and college, you will prosper. You'll have the good stuff. All the other kids around you, they, won't, they, 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 don't, they can't get a job. They don't have any money. They're living at home. Okay, They're depressed. They have no vision because they didn't listen up when they're in fifth grade, third grade, second grade, 10th grade. Okay, You plant those seeds now because guess what, kids? They're coming back to you. 
It's coming back to you. Do you want to be treated good by other people? You know, you like that? Isn't it nice that people come up to you and say, hey, man, I love you. You're, you're the best. Or do you like people to sneer at you and ridicule you and make fun of you and harass you? What do you like? Because the way you treat the people now is what you're going to get later. You be a total jerk to your friend on the playground, guess what? Later on, it's coming back at you. Maybe from somebody you don't expect it from. Somebody you really love treats you terrible because that's what you planted, right? So first of all, this teaches us a few things. One, choices have consequences, all of them, all of them, every single one. The big ones, the little ones, all of them, they all have consequences. And the kind of harvest that you reap is exactly the kind of harvest that you, or the seeds that you plant, right? So it's all the same. So you plant evil, you reap evil. You don't sow good and reap evil. You don't sow evil and reap good, right? It's what you plant is what you get. And also, the second thing we can pull from this is the amounts are the same. The quantities are the same. So if you sow a big amount, you're going to harvest a big amount. Paul jumps on this teaching in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and he actually applies it in there to giving in the church. And he's talking to the church, and he says, listen, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly, using the same principle. He says, if you give a little bit of money here and there, then that's all you're going to get back. Give a 20, then you're going to get a 20. You're walking on the beach, and there's one floating in the wind. Okay, you got your harvest. If you sow a lot, Paul says, then you get a lot back from God. And it's of like kind. So sometimes people want to say, well, uh, well, I... I sow service, or I, I'm, I'm nice to people, and so therefore I'll get lots of money. No, no, no. That diverts from the principle. Principles of like kind. Remember, if I sow corn, I don't get blueberries. So if I sow kindness, well, I get kindness back. So if you want money, then you give money. You sow money. It's of equal. It's the same thing. Otherwise, the whole principle is violated. And then here in, in Galatians, he applies this three different ways. And one, he applies it to the pastors in the church. And, and again, he says, listen, if the pastors are feeding you good stuff from the Bible, you're learning, you're growing, you're receiving the word, then you should give back to them in money so that you can be their harvest, so they can continue to do the work. And the equation here that's really simple from this that you can see that Paul's getting at is more money equals more ministry. More, the more money the church generates and gives, the more ministry that can take place. And that's exactly his point. This principle works in the moral and the spiritual sphere as well. So it's not the reapers who decide what the harvest is. It's the sowers. You follow? Therefore you can confidently expect to receive in your future what you have sown today. 
Now, because we live in the give it me now world, sometimes our children will sow a good seed and then demand a harvest immediately. <laughs> but that's not how the principle works, okay? Uh, you sow, and then in the future, it comes back to you. It's not an immediate thing. Some people take that, do that with their giving as well. They give a couple times to the church. They didn't get rich, and so now, well, that didn't work. Okay? Um, you must, you've got to be able to have confidence that you know what your future is going to be based upon the seeds you've sown, your choices, the things that come out of your mouth. Uh, did you know that James said, if you can't rein in your own tongue, your religion is worthless? That's a powerful statement. The things you say to your kids and your friends and your coworkers, the things you watch with your eyes, the things you see, you focus on, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, all of that matters. All of that is sowing of something. And so now you can see how absolutely vital this is that we teach our children. Absolutely critical as a parent. You know, I, I've never met a parent who would say to me, Oh, I just want my kids to fail. I can hardly wait to I just have a bunch of losers. No, no, no parents ever said that. They want their kids to prosper. They want their kids to do better than they did. And so if you teach them, listen, if you get a hold of this. And then you, you're, it becomes positive in your family and becomes a, a, a process of continually planting good seeds. Because one day that'll be my harvest. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. He gives us a little bit of a warning. He says, listen, you're sowing seeds to the flesh. Your harvest will be death. And so every choice that we make, every seed that we plant, is a seed in the future. Every easy road taken today is a hard road later. Job caught up with this principle in Job chapter 4, and he said this, As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Hosea uh, wrote about this as well. He said that um, if you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. So the, the wind is foolish and carefree living, and the whirlwind is the discipline from God. You know, that's a scary thing, is, is if your children will not heed your discipline, and your discipline, I tell you, is nothing compared to God's. Nothing. So if you won't heed your parents' discipline, then what you're going to have is discipline from God. You see, when you leave your parents someday, now you're on your own, and the only one left that can discipline you is God. And what does he use? He uses police, poverty, 
trials, hardship, pain. God disciplines us with very hard, hard ways. You know, it's always fair. It's always just. It's always loving. That's how God is so much better than us. You know, the Lord has disciplined me a number of times. And I've just wept in his presence and said, Oh God, please, please forgive me because I wouldn't heed my parents' discipline. So now I must receive it from the Lord. So Paul's driving this point home. He's saying, here's a command and here's a warning. Don't be deceived. Don't believe the lie that your choices don't matter. They do. The devil's a liar. He's the father of lies, and he's lying to our kids. And so Paul gives us this warning. He says, God cannot be mocked. Uh, To mock something is to laugh at it. So it's not not just saying, I I don't agree with it, or I'm not going to do that. It's worse than that. It's laughing at it. Do you know, have you seen the culture laugh at God? You seen that? It happens every day. Every day. And even from our government. Really turning their nose up at God and laughing, saying, ha! Hey, that's mocking God. It means, I'm doing whatever I want, and guess what? Life is great! I'm living large! Ha ha! Just wait. Just wait. God isn't mocked. You don't see it now. You don't see the fruit now. You sow, 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 sow. There's nothing happening, right? The farmer looks at the ground and he says, it's just dirt. Where's my harvest? Ah, didn't didn't get me. I'm good. And then 10 years later, you're in the middle of this incredible storm. You're screaming and crying and, oh, God. And you may not make the connection. This happened to me. I wrote a letter to another pastor, and my letter was truthful without any grace and brutal. It, it was mean. It was mean. He was wrong, I was right, and I belayed him with my letter. Sent him off the letter. Nothing happened at all for five years. Five whole years, nothing happened. And then one day, I was standing in front of my congregation, and the board of the church read a list of accusations against me, and they might as well have been reading my letter. And when he got to the end of the last accusation, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, There, son, I'm disciplining you for what you did five years ago to him. And I wept. I felt the kindness of God, but also felt the seriousness of the issue. God sees Had the reverse happen to me as well. Recently, I went through a really hard challenge and a very difficult storm, but I didn't deny the Lord. I didn't lose my attitude. I remained faithful. And I worshiped God in the midst of my suffering. And then a year later, he said to me, 
here, be blessed with all of this. Well, what's that for, Lord? It's because back here, then, back here, you, you were faithful. And I'm thanking you for that. It goes both ways. The devil's lying to your kids, telling them it doesn't matter. Ignore the consequences. But you may fool people. You cannot fool God. You may think it doesn't apply to you, but it does. No one on the earth escapes this principle. Our future is shaped by our present. Listen to this old saying. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Teach your children from an early age that attitude, the words they use, the way they speak to you, the way they treat you, the things they look at, the music they listen to, the movies they watch, the websites they go to, all of it, they're sowing seeds. And these seeds will come up in their future. Only a fool thinks he can sow oats and reap strawberries. I see Christians every day who sow to the flesh, and they sow to the flesh day after day after day, weekend after weekend. They're sowing to the flesh, and then they're moaning about how the Bible is dry and holiness is so difficult to attain. You know what? Holiness is a harvest, A deep and intimate prayer life with God is a harvest. We long to be close to God, but we don't sow any seeds into that thing. It's never there, and it's dry and unfulfilling and boring and disappointing because that's a harvest that you get when you plant seeds. It's no different in your marriage, right? In your marriage relationship. If you sow great seeds into that marriage, what are you going to have? Great marriage. But if you disregard it, if you ignore it, if you don't pay any attention to it, if you just get too busy with life and she's going one way and you're going one way, no seeds are planted, guess what? After a while, you're going to look at each other and say, I don't even think I love you anymore. Because no seeds have been planted. Great marriage is a harvest. All your bills paid and all your finances taken care of and extra money in the bank, guess what? That's a harvest. That's a harvest. You've got to plant the seeds. If you don't, well, then get used to poverty. He sums it up like this. He says, two things we must do. Avoid sowing to the flesh, and that's where... Parenting is so important because you have so many opportunities with your kids, right? Every time your child disobeys you, great opportunity, great opportunity. Every time your students and your classroom disobey you or do something you didn't ask them to, opportunity, opportunity. When your employees don't do what you ask them to do and they make mistakes, opportunity, opportunity. See what it is and, and use those opportunities. It's an opportunity to sow good seeds and to help them avoid the bad ones. Don't look down on those opportunities. Those aren't a bummer. Those are great. Oh, this is awesome. Our child has broken our brand new uh, living room table. We paid $1,000 for that, and it's broken now. It's useless. 
This is great. Because guess what? It's going to teach him how to be a winner. Going to teach him responsibility. Going to teach him how to own his actions. And when he becomes an adult, when he becomes an employee, he's going to shine. His boss is going to go, wow, this kid is amazing because he takes responsibility for his actions. I got 40-year-olds in this company that don't do that. Right? It's a great opportunity. And keep sowing to the Spirit. Keep sowing to your spiritual life. Keep sowing faith. And there's so many opportunities all throughout the day, and they're tiny and they're little. Maybe you think they're meaningless, but everyone's a seed. It's a kind word. Read a little bit of the scriptures. Spend some time in prayer. Bless somebody else. Even a smile. You know what Jesus said? That if you give somebody a cup of water who's thirsty, God sees it as a seed. And little seeds, thousands of them, one day produce a massive harvest. I don't know about you, but when I get older, I want to kick back and enjoy the fruit of my life. But if I don't plant any seeds, that'll be a barren wasteland. Children live in the here and now, don't they? They live and they don't see consequences. As the devil started training them already, he starts right at the beginning and he never gives up. You also need to train right from the beginning. That no, no, there are consequences. And honey, I want you to see the connection between what you just did and how that hurts you. Carpe diem is true. We should live our lives. What better witness to anyone is that a Christian is joyful? Live! But no, there are also consequences. Sow good seeds during your childhood, and during your 20s, you will reap an amazing harvest. I see so many young men who are in their 20s, and their future is stalled because their parents didn't sow this into them when they were little. This training begins at home. It begins in home, and it's in the form of trials and failure and learning how to fix your mistakes, learning how to say sorry, learning how to forgive, learning how to use the right words and the right tone, learning the right attitude. All of that begins at home. Because if you keep on sowing these good seeds, then you are guaranteed a great harvest. It is a guarantee. God said, I am promising this. This is my promise to you. What you sow is what you'll get. He intended it to be a faithfulness pledge on his part and a blessing. That's its tenth. 